0: Production. Hello, a life of greatness listeners. I wanted to let you know about my private Facebook group called Live Your Life Greatly. It's a space for our community of like minded people to give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. Search Live Your Life Greatly in Facebook groups. You can also join me on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg for daily inspiration, videos, and behind the scenes footage. Search Sarah Grimberg on Instagram. After a 30-year career in tech and serving as Chief Business Officer at Google X, Mo Gaudat has made happiness his primary topic of research. In 2014, motivated by the tragic loss of his son Ali, his mission to help 1 billion people become happier became more real than ever. In his second appearance on A Life of Greatness, Mo talks about his new book, Scary Smart, A Future with Artificial Intelligence. We discuss how we as humans need to look at our morals and values to create AI who will work with us in harmony to help construct a loving, peaceful world.
1: The ultimate form of intelligence is love. If you really, really understand how nature operates, it's submerged in love. As you become smarter and smarter and smarter, you move from individualism as the basis of your intelligence to compassion as the basis of your intelligence to love as the basis of your intelligence.
0: I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life, and hopefully yours too. Mo Gaudet is the best-selling author of Soul for Happy and has his own podcast, Slow Mo. In its essence, this is a conversation about arming ourselves with invaluable evidence-based strategies and practical tools helpful in working in a world where artificial intelligence has become so integral. Mo is wise, remarkable, and has become a very dear friend who I deeply admire. My desire is that his words inspire and elevate you towards a more meaningful way of life. Mo Gaudat, welcome for the second time on A Life of Greatness. You are obviously a renowned happiness teacher. Can you just start off by telling us how did you get into that line of work?
1: Well, I... uh Thank you so much for having me again, Sarah. It's always a pleasure to uh, to do anything together. And I, um, I have I have had uh, for a long time. I had two lives. One one life was that very uh, hardcore driven engineer, software developer, computer scientist, if you want, mathematician. Uh, who uh, you know, I had a, a career that took me, I think, all the way uh, to what everyone dreams of. At the end of my career, I was Uh, 12 years at Google, uh, seven of which I was the vice president of emerging markets, started half of Google's operations worldwide. And then the last five, I was chief business officer of Google X, where I worked on all of the innovation and, and, you know, all of the new technologies that are out there, really, robotics, um, artificial intelligence, and so on and so forth. So that one life uh, was uh, the life that most people dream of and, and think that this is what makes them happy uh interestingly uh in early in that life where i was working at ibm or microsoft and made a ton of money and had a lot of cars and you know a big villa with a swimming pool and a wonderful wonderful woman as a a beautiful wife that gave me two wonderful children and i was completely miserable completely depressed and uh and it's not an unusual story at all as a matter of fact I work with many people who are either extremely successful, extremely wealthy, and are basically very unhappy. And and at the time, I attempted to find my way out of unhappiness by using my engineering mind. I attempted to be logical about it, use equations, use observations, use experiments in the way we would um, reverse engineer a machine that stopped working well and you're trying to understand what's wrong with it. Uh, I, you know, throughout that process, my wonderful, very, very, very wise son, Ali, uh, was sort of my mentor, my coach, if you want. I I was the head uh, and he was the heart. You know, I was the one that really tried to figure things out and write them in a very logical way. And then I would go to Ali and say, you know, I discovered this. And he would sort of entertain me by asking a couple of questions and then he would tap me on the shoulders and say, Papa, that's very impressive, you could have just asked me. And, and he, knew, he knew happiness from within and he would explain to me the, the, the sides that my left brain didn't understand, if you want. Together, we built a model and the model uh, and an equation, if you want, for happiness, uh, which worked for us, worked for our family, worked for our friends, and then Ali left our world. Uh, Ali, sadly, when uh, he was 21 and a half, um, he went for a very simple surgical operation and it went wrong. And within four hours, our son left uh, our world. And so um, through lots of, I don't know if I want to say messages that he left behind, uh, um, I was inspired to write what he taught me. So I sat down and I wrote a book, uh, Solve for Happy, that became an international bestseller. I started a mission uh, which was about making a billion people happy and, uh, and left Google, as a matter of fact, to uh, focus on that mission and perhaps to allow myself to open up and tell the world, tell the world a little more about what I know about technology from the inside. And since then, I didn't. I never looked back. I've been uh, investing everything I've earned, all of the effort that I have uh, in trying to contribute a tiny bit to making a happier world, if you want.
0: Yes. I mean, the story is phenomenal. And we obviously go into depth about your story and, and everything that happened in our previous episode. But you actually live and breathe it as well. I've known you for just over a year now. And... It's how you live your life, I just think is wonderful. You, you really embody what it is to be a happy person and you have all the attributes. You are actually living and breathing what you speak about, which is, which is unbelievably phenomenal. But you have your new book, which seems quite different to all the other things that you have done. It's called (laughs) Scary Smart and it talks about the future of artificial intelligence and how it can save our world. What made you want to write a book about AI? It
1: it could act as a bit of a wake-up call if you want to make people understand exactly how far AI is and how uh, uh, big what we're up against is, the, I don't think people understand the magnitude uh, of uh, of where technology is going, uh, simply because of the exponential nature of technology development. It's still not that big to catch your attention, but by the time it is that big, it's too late to do anything to change it. And so, uh, you know, in, in a way, I think the book... Uh, uh is is just waking up the general public not the geeks not the developers not the engineers who know the stuff that i'm talking about uh about what ai is all about but but the book starts with you and i uh sitting in the middle of nowhere uh in the year 2055 where i'm telling you the story of how how humanity uh and and artificial intelligence unfolded between 2021 and 2055 and I, and I, in in that thought experiment, if you want, I start by telling you that we're going to be in the middle of nowhere, in front of a campfire. I'm just not going to tell you if we're there escaping from the machines, uh, because we're hitting one of those science fiction stories where the machines are trying to, uh, you know, eradicate humanity one by one, or if we're out there uh, because we are uh, simply um, we could simply create a new ut- a utopia where you know, the world is so safe and humanity has the space to actually reflect and connect and, and, and be out in nature. And so uh, the the difference between the two, I say, I'll tell you at the end of the book, because the difference between the two is entirely up to you. It's entirely up to the reader. I, I, I try through Scary Smart to highlight to the readers uh, that for the first time in the history of humanity each and every one of us as an individual has the capability of changing our world, has the capability of saving our world. The book is more about humanity, if you want, than it is about artificial intelligence.
0: You say something very interesting in the book, that the crucial moment for the future of our planet is the very moment when the child lands on earth. Can you explain that to us in more depth?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm like any typical geek. I am a superhero fanatic, right? So I'm all about superhero stories. When I was young, I read all of the comics that were out there. And one of the most famous uh, superhero stories is the story of Superman. Uh, uh, you know, an, an, in, an alien, if you want to call him. Uh, that comes to our planet, not exactly like us humans, enjoying mega superpowers. And uh, with those superpowers, Superman can do anything, Uh, you know, can break things, can carry things, can see through things, can burn things, whatever Superman would want, uh, Superman would be able to do. But super child uh, that came to the planet uh, is an infant uh, that doesn't make the decisions of what he wants to do based on his powers, but rather based on his ethics. And, you know, in the classic story of Superman, uh, the family Kent finds Superboy or Super Infant, and basically raises them, ra- raises the child to believe that uh, you know, when he grows older, he needs to do good for the world. He needs to, you know, be there for those who need him. He needs to be there for justice and so on and so forth. But imagine for a second if Father Kent uh, was a bit greedy and goes like, oh my God, this boy can steal for me, right? This boy can, can you know, kill my enemies. This boy can do amazing things that make me the king of the world, Uh, And, you know, just as an infant, Superman would grow up to be a supervillain. And I think if we think about all of the superpowers that any being on this planet can enjoy, uh, the most valuable superpower obviously has been intelligence, right? I mean, the reason why we are on top of the food chain is because we're just a little more intelligent than the next primate. That's exactly what created the civilization of humanity and 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 the infant the super infant is or has already arrived because uh, artificial intelligence is already more intelligent than we are um, yeah be it, still still in, in narrow tasks right in every task we assign to them they do it better than us Uh, but they are more intelligent than us in every task. And and predictions by most uh, futurists, including my favorite Ray Kurzweil, uh, is that by 2029, now I'm not making that up, that's eight years away. Uh, By 2029, when artificial general intelligence starts to be part of our life, uh, one machine will be smarter than the smartest human being on the planet. Uh, give that, give that a few more years. Ray Kurzweil predicts by 2045. I, I predict by 2049, uh, the machines will be uh, a billion times smarter than humans. A billion wow. times. Now, that, that is comparable to the. I mean, if I if I just draw an analogy, that would be comparable to the intelligence of Einstein as compared to the intelligence of a fly. Yeah. And and I think the question then becomes why would Einstein elect to spare the fly? Uh, you know, and, and it's a question that we rarely ever discuss. We, we rarely ever uh, dig deeper beyond, oh, they're optimizing those machines. They're amazing for us. They're optimizing our uh, uh, Instagram feed uh, to questioning what will happen when they no longer need to optimize our Instagram feed, when they no longer need us as humanity for anything at all. Do you believe in nurture or nature? <laughs> i uh, That's such a controversial, it's one of my most controversial points of view. Uh, yeah, it's one of the areas where people mostly get upset with me. I do not believe in nature at all. I believe it's entirely yeah. nurture. And, and I think epigenetics are starting to show us that even if something shows up in your genes, uh, it is... It is created through your habits and lifestyle. Absolutely. you know any anything that is generated in your, uh, in, you know. I mean, you and I talk a lot about happiness, and and happiness. I I just posted a video on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, basically to answer a question that someone sent me. What I simply said. No, it has nothing to do with genetics. Yes, of course, if you're born a left brainer who's highly analytical and highly critical, you're likely to become more unhappy, right? Because you're looking for anything wrong in life all the time. But the truth is that everything is conditioning and neuroplasticity. You know, even if you're that incredible left brainer, I mean, I'm personally a serious left brainer, a mathematician and very facts driven, but I could train my brain over time to find more and more and more happiness just like going to the gym. And I think that's exactly the core of my message about artificial mm-hmm. intelligence that, you know, it's it is we can train the brains of the artificially intelligent infants that have joined our world so that we don't condition them to become as horrific as we have yeah. become. You know, I mean, look at how, uh, I, I will say openly, I think humanity is an amazing species. If, if, you, if you judge us by the best of us, uh, you know, the best of us are just mind-blowing, breathtakingly amazing and inspiring and beautiful and kind in every possible way. Uh, and maybe our task is to make sure that we condition our future to mimic those not to mimic the worst of us
0: when you were at google did you see a lot of artificial intelligence that made you question question life and where we're heading as a society i mean is that the did that yeah. that bring you on to write this book
1: absolutely the reason the reason i left google in 2018 is to write this book i mean there's absolutely no doubt about it um i um i vividly remember uh it must have been 2015 maybe 2016 don't quote me on the exact date uh where we at google x approved a project uh that was uh, simply an attempt to teach uh, robotic arms to grab mm-hmm. things. A very, very, very well-known experiment across computer science. Lots of companies around the world are doing it. Uh, and and for ages and ages, robotics were all about micron-level accuracy. So if you went into a Toyota factory uh, that so quickly had those robotic arms pick sheet metal sheets and, you know, press them and put them in the right place and so on, Uh, every sheet had to be put in place with the accuracy of almost, you know, a millimeter, probably fractions of a millimeter, right? And if it moved... It wouldn't, the, machine, the arm wouldn't be able to pick it. And, and, and teaching robotic arms to pick things like we humans can has been a very complex computer science problem for ages because if you wanted the, the, the arm to pick an item, but that item was slightly softer than the one before or had a little dent on it or you know, it was uh, moved a millimeter to the side, the arm wouldn't be able to yeah. pick it if you programmed it the classical way. And so the experiment was basically uh, to get enough of those arms and let them try and try and trial and error. Okay? Basically, uh, um you know, the, uh, we, we have a farm of them. The, the, that farm was on the second floor. My, my desk was on the third floor, so I passed by it every day. And you could see every robotic arm would go down, try to grip something, and then show it to the camera. If it gripped it, the, 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 the main computer would understand that this pattern worked. If it didn't grip it, the main computer would understand that this pattern didn't work. And for weeks, nothing happened. Like I was wondering every day as we were going up the stairs why I ever approved that budget. Nothing happened, right? And, and, and then one day, uh, one of them managed to pick a yellow ball. One yellow ball, okay? Oh. Which, funny enough, I don't know why the experimenters or the, 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 the researchers did that, but the items they asked the, the uh, grippers to grip were children's toys, one of them was a soft yellow ball and one of the arms gripped it, showed it to the camera and the miracle happens. In no time at all, every other arm is gripping the yellow ball all the time. In no time at all, every other arm is gripping everything all the time. Okay. And I have to say, I, I stood there, it was a Monday morning, so the arms were working over the weekend and I just could observe the the, the, the the stark difference between leaving on a Friday and going on a Monday when everything's working. And it just hit me so hard that those we're literally learning the same way you and I learned when we were children. You know, when they used to give us those um, puzzles—a uh, a, a cylinder that you need to fit in yes, a hole. And yes, If it's if it's triangular, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the cylinder wouldn't fit. And and the child, there is no way you can describe to the child with language or mathematics exactly how to do it. The only thing that the child can do is try. So it tries to fit it in the, in the triangle, you know, it doesn't fit. So she flips it and tries to fit it, fit it in the rectangle. It doesn't fit. And then suddenly it, it goes through the, the circle and the child learns. The pattern observation helps the child learn. And, and once I realized that, I realized that all of the efforts that we have been putting in trying to control AI, which will all be futile. And I have a chapter uh, about, in the book that I call The Control Problem and, and the illusion of human arrogance to think that they can control something a billion times smarter than them. Mm? Uh, and, and, but, but the key is so simple. The key is you never really control your children when they grow older. You really just instill the right um, uh, value system in them So that when they grow older, they actually want to take care of you. And when that is the case, then you celebrate their intelligence. You want them to be powerful. You want them to be successful because they've grown up to want to care for you. How do you teach them that? You teach them that through values, not through intelligence and not through control and not through instructions. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and in my mind, I suddenly realized, and I I think a lot of people who worked in AI, including uh, Elon Musk, for example, uh, will tell you this is the biggest threat facing humanity. Elon Musk uh, was quoted saying, uh, "It's as dangerous and as nuclear weapons, right?" Uh, And 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 he actually in an interview I think was Joe Rogan was simply saying, "And I tried, I lobbied for people to stop doing it, but it's going to happen." which, again, is part of what I write about in Scary Smart, something I call the the three inevitables, that AI will happen, will be smarter than us, and that, sadly, some things will go wrong. But, But the idea here is maybe we shouldn't stop it, and maybe we shouldn't even try to control it. Maybe we should start to teach it the values of good parents so that when it becomes truly teenage and strong and powerful and so smart it does what you know uh, uh, Indian children who, st- who travel to California do they, they go to California they're geniuses they start the business they make a few hundred million dollars and then they disappear I'm like where are you going man you're doing so well here and they'll say oh I have to take care of my parents right. my parents are getting old I'm going back yeah. to India to take care of them and, and, and that's that's learnable that's teachable Okay, because, because every Indian parent took care of his parents in front of his yeah. child. Okay, every 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 society where the community took care of each other grew children that wanted to take care of the society.
0: It's so unbelievably interesting. It's like how, because you do talk a lot about this in the book, how do we get AI into the hands of people that are good so that we are giving it, good messages, and allowing it to be the best versions of ourselves.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the book goes into two sections, two very clear sections. Section one is what I call the scary yeah. part, the first, five, the first five, five chapters. And actually, as you're reading, I constantly interrupt the reading and say, I know this is scary, but please hang on, it's going to get better. Okay, and, and, and part of the scary part uh, is, is, sadly, uh, that our capitalist society is developing AI, if you ask me, for the wrong purposes. So, so you know, if you really dig deeper, of course, there are amazing exper- experiments happening around, uh, uh, you know, climate change and around health and so on and so forth. Uh, and life sciences and so on and so forth but but the majority of where the investment is going is what AI being created for Uh, spying selling gambling and killing and that's really 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 shocking when you think about it well you know whether it's it's the uh, you know automatic autonomous robotics that that can shoot people or it's you know uh, trading in the stock market where most of the trading now uh, some statistics will say up to two-thirds of the trading is happening against machines and, and when you really start to think about all of the advertising engines or the recommendations engines of, of social media, entirely focusing on uh, on uh, on making money and selling more and, and just creating more profits, and you know all of the uh, of the surveillance and, and and cameras everywhere and face recognition and all of that, it, the majority of the development is sadly going into feeding the machine that humanity has created and is, tar- is trying so hard to protect. But that machine, in all honesty, is the machine that has been killing us. Mm. This is the machine that needs to stop and change. And, and you know, I, I, I say openly that uh, we as general public, because... I'm not naive enough to expect that I can write a book and that will alert the leaders of the world and then they say, okay, okay, nobody make money anymore. It's not going to happen. And I think any reader who's naive enough to think that this is doable is wasting everyone's time. The truth is, it's inevitable that the machine will continue, but we have the power as the general public to actually endorse implementations of AI that work for us, and politely avoid, not not fight, by the way, because we don't want to fight uh, and and leave those scars and traumas in the minds of AI. But but we we can politely avoid the ones that are not. I will give you a very simple example. I never swipe on Instagram, never. I never swipe mindlessly, taking the recommendation of uh, of Instagram. I I used to, uh, you know, my daughter loves cats, and I adore my daughter. So I basically could, you know, spend time uh, at the beginning searching for cats. And when you click on the Instagram search, the first page that will show, uh, you know, the majority of what Instagram is recommending to you changes all yeah. the time. So I would look for cats, I would send her cats, and then I clearly realized that there were more and more and more cats in that page, okay? And, and very quickly, uh, you know, t- almost 99% of the page was cats, and there was one woman squatting in the gym, okay? And so I decided, okay, let me click on that. The next time I searched, there were three. The next yeah. time I searched, there were seven. The next time I searched, the entire page was women squatting and no cats. Okay? <laughs> now, now, when you... when you. When you, when you, you. It, it, it's a... <laughs> I want cats for my daughter. I want cats. <laughs> right? no, that, but the thing is this. The thing is, imagine the exponential impact on that, on general opinion, yeah. on the public's view of reality. Hmm? Because suddenly... Uh, there is this an um, um, amazing uh, um, uh, thing on Instagram about um, I think it's a Belarusian uh, um, uh, Belarusian song yeah. and cats just cannot stop but dance to it. Okay, and and when I am finding it and sending it to my daughter, it seems to me that this is the only song in the world. My view of the world is so biased. Because AI is now shaping my opinion of yeah. the world, that everything in the world is entirely around this. This applies to everything. Huh? You, if you're, if you're swiping for COVID information, your view of the world is that the world going to end. Hmm? If you're, if you you know, it's it's just so sh- so capable of shaping our opinions. And I avoid that completely.
0: It's really interesting you say that, and I'm sure this has happened to everyone that's listening. I remember one day. A girlfriend of mine was over and she started telling me about her juicer, something that she juices fruit with every morning. And she told me about a particular brand. I'd never heard of it. I didn't even really care. Like, not I loved her story, but it was like, okay, like she's talking about this juicer that she loves. For the next week, all I did was get served ads for this exact juicer. I did Absolutely. not type into Google. Absolutely. I did not look it up on Instagram or anything. So it listened to our conversation and then started serving me ads for this juicer.
1: It could, it could have listened to our conversation. I don't know if there is any evidence of that, that the microphone is actually without you. I think it is. It's you. crazy. If, if, if it is, then this is something that people should rise up and say, we don't accept yeah. this. But remember, remember, you have texted your friend on some kind of app and she has texted one of her friends the brand of the juicers. Right, and so, so in the typical way, you know, the the way, for example, the CIA or the uh, or the US intelligence would mark people as uh, targets for investigation is if someone is a a suspect, uh, they the the, the intelligence unit will 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 look at everyone that is a degree of separation or several degrees of separation away from them. So if I if if I had texted um, you know a, a, a plumber. Uh, to ask them to do something and that plumber texted someone that was engaged in a problem uh, uh, you know of security then by definition I become a target of making sure that I'm not a security threat and that's that's actually acceptable when you really think about it that degrees of separation could allow us to uh, to 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 spread the that feeling of security if you want and that could be true about anything, huh? It could be true about you know one of my friends texting me, but at the same time she's texting someone else saying, "Oh, my keto diet is working amazing," <laughs> and then by definition, then I would expect to see keto yeah. ads. Okay? Wow. But but that but that's but that's the the, the things is that you have to understand, there wasn't a single human involved in that cycle. That made that decision. That's amazing. Do you, yes, do you understand yes. that? These these are machines talking to machines talking to machines. This is the machine of WhatsApp talking to the machine of Facebook to the machine of Instagram, telling them that uh, Sarah, who spoke to uh, Jesse, who is interested in Cato, should be served ads on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. And 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 the the power we're giving to those machines is just. No longer within the control of humanity. Understand that no developer that has ever created a form of artificial intelligence has full control on it over it anymore, because those ad recommendation engines or uh, or just uh, video recommendation engines they operate at the scale of billions of people several times a second. Okay, uh, there is no human that can jump in and say, "Hold on, hold on, that was the wrong ad served to Sarah." No more, right? And as long as the machine is printing money, no human has the capability in their mind to actually investigate if one of those machines decides to go wrong. And lots of AI experiments have gone wrong.
0: Can you tell us, there's an interesting story that just blew my mind in Scary Smart about the Twitter bot that went wrong.
1: Every every chat bot, uh, I mean, the big stories were uh, the Twitter bot that was by Microsoft, there was... um, what was it called? Alice in uh, in that was produced yes. by uh, Yandex in Russia. Uh, there were many, huh? Uh, Norman, which was, a, I think, an MIT experiment uh, that was reading uh, Reddit articles. Um, yeah, 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 that's right. The thing about the, the machine is the code is written to facilitate intelligence. It's not written to... Prescribe any specific form of intelligence. It's basically saying, go ahead and watch YouTube videos and tell us what you find, or go ahead and chat with humans and from them learn, learn language skills, okay? And so with those chatbots, what ends up happening is that, you know, it happens so often on the internet, they start chatting with people and pe- people are rude, or people are opinionated or some people are violent in the case of Alice in, in uh, you know in Russia for example it started to be pro uh, uh stalin and pro violence and anti-american if in the case of uh, of uh, you know norman it literally became a psychopath okay uh, because people were literally offending it the p- people were chatting to it the way we chat online Mm-hmm. and and the patterns that the machine observed was using violent words or creating certain opinions was how humanity behaved and so yeah. it behaved that way in response okay and and and, th- and of course those machines uh, were were shut down or you know brought off the network. Uh, if we want to assume that they have been, but we can also assume that there must be a trial version of one of them somewhere, uh, you know, that maybe one developer has forgot to erase or maybe that, uh, you know, maybe they have been removed, but they left a trace behind that says, hey, if you don't behave like humans want, they remove you. So next time, before you start behaving, make a small copy of yourself somewhere. Understand, these are machines that are going to be a billion times smarter than we are. And, and when you really start to think about that, the, the ridiculous part of human arrogance is we think we can box them, we think we can have tripwires, we, we think we can keep them in simulations. Yeah, good, good luck with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the idea of the control problem simply is so sophisticated that it might actually end up being our biggest mistake in the history of humanity.
0: You talk in your book about the parallels of the pandemic and how we reacted to AI. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about that it's fascinating
1: oh man i I'm going to be uh censored here um, th- there has been quite a few mistakes uh, if you if you want in the way humanity handled the pandemic Um you know from from the very uh, From even before the beginning of the spread of COVID-19, where there has been so many signs that said, uh, you know, there is Ebola, there is swine flu, there is, you know, uh, um, um, SARS and so many other uh, kinds of possible viral, uh, you know, pandemics that were stopped but that indicated that it would be possible for another one to happen and nobody did anything about it. Humanity ignored the whistleblowers. I think this is very applicable to how so many of us who have been inside the world of AI are being ignored okay uh, you know including including the top names including some of the absolute you know uh, um, as I said Elon Musk or uh, um, you know some of the top 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 computer scientists in the world hmm? uh, even uh, even some of the creators of AI you know uh, mints for example uh, basically said there will be a time when we will have no idea what is, uh in their, you know, what's on their mind, and if it's our best interest on their mind or not, and and so when you when you uh, when you ignore this so much, normally what happens is that when something starts to come out, step number two of the typical human machinery that we call politics is that we hide it, okay. And the truth is that once again, uh, you know, as the pandemic started and there were. There was patient zero or maybe a few cases if it wasn't hidden and it was addressed head-on uh, we may have all needed to quarantine for three days and we're done or two weeks and we're done okay uh, but that wasn't what happened and then after we hid it uh, uh, you know and it started to become unhideable if you want the next stage was uh, simply that uh, the big guns came in, the big governments came in with different agendas, different political announcements, different motives, uh, rather than talk about, you know, let's save all of us, maybe let's uh, be America against China for a long time. Huh? And and all of those mistakes are actually manifesting themselves in the stage, stages of panic when humanity is facing something that is not expected or not planned for, uh, you know, all the way to, uh, I, I tend to believe my personal opinion, getting vaccinated before the vaccine is tested enough, uh, you know, uh, and so on. And so all of that will happen as well when we start to realize that AI is starting to behave in ways that might be threatening to us. The threatening, by the way, I don't want to scare anyone. I, I don't think there will ever be a case of Starnet or a case of uh, Vicky of iRobot trying to take over the world. There, I don't think we will ever get those. But I think that, I think the typical stories of two machines versus each other uh, you know, shutting the market down, or uh, you know, uh, the, the American machine spying on the um, on the on the Chinese machine, and the Chinese machine reacting to the Russian machine. All of that, where we can become collateral damage. You know, it's, it it could be a misunderstanding of intentions. You know, it could yeah. be Google saying, uh, you know, give people what the trend is, but but then the trend is perhaps make us uh, more stupid. That's the trend that you can see on the internet, and so machines will be very good at making us more stupid right and and all of that it's it's not big threats but when threats to start to show up even just the very basic threat of machines taking over our jobs uh you know i believe that we will react in similar ways to the madness of how we reacted to the pandemic yes OK, and rather rather than react in, in a controlled, preplanned, uh, well thought through manner, we will panic a little bit. Hmm? And 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 that's one of the things I'm calling on in Scary Smart for the for those in charge is to say, can we please sit down and talk about this now? Because, uh, you know, just like with COVID, we know it's coming you know, it's, it's this is I'm the I'm the least important person that is blowing this whistle. Mm? Uh, there there are major names in the field saying something needs to be thought about. Okay, and o- the only thing I'm doing differently, Sarah, is I'm saying the one thing that can change all of this. Interestingly, is not a question of regulation and control. It's a question of ethics. Yeah. It's 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 that we have to work together to identify the right set of ethics that we will want to teach our children because we just have Superman landed in our planet.
0: You talk about something which is really beautiful in to do with AI is how we get them to become super conscious. You say intelligent machines will feel more emotions than we do.
1: Oh, absolutely. 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 No doubt about it. You, you know, a cat feels more emotions than a cockroach and, a, and, and you feel more emotions than a cat. Emotions um, are, uh, are those erratic things that we think takes a, take us over. That's not true at all. Emotions are highly predictable. In, in my book three, which uh, is coming out in April, I, I talk about something that I call the equations of emotions. And, and for every emotion I have ever felt and every emotion I found reference to, uh, you know, on Wikipedia or whatever, uh, it, it follows an equation other than unconditional love, just to be very clear, which doesn't seem to follow an equation. But everything else is predictable. Hate is, uh, is triggered when your value system is different than my, my value system. So the difference between them is the resultant of the hate that I feel for you. I don't feel any hate for you. Ros- oh, Sarah, no. Just a figure of of speech. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, uh, um, envy is uh, you have uh, something I wish I had, but I don't. Okay, so it's the difference between what you have and I desire and what I actually have. That's envy. Uh, Fear is uh, my perception of my safety in in a minute in the future minus my perception of my safety now. If my, if my safety in the future less is less than now, then I'm afraid if, if that moment in the future is imminent, then I panic, right? Emotions are highly predictable. And so the, the thing is a, a cat panics, a, a puffer fish panics, and a human panics, and we panic differently, okay? A cat will hiss, the puffer fish will puff, and we, we will shout and scream. The machines will behave differently, but they will also have that same equation in their mind. There is an imminent threat ahead of me. I need to do something about it, right? Now, once again, a lot of what is not discussed about the machines is that romantic idea that, oh, no, 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 they're just going to be machines. They're not going to be conscious. They're not going to be emotional. They're not going to be creative. No, no, that is absolute crap if you don't mind my english they are already very creative they're already composing music that would uh, you wouldn't know if we didn't tell you it was composed by ai just by observing patterns uh-huh. uh, you know if they if they if they uh, you know if they uh, if they're capable of um, of consciousness that is beyond our human consciousness by consciousness by a massive massive margin so if you assume that consciousness Forget the spiritual side of it and what it is and where it stems from and if it's universal and, 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 and baseline and so on. But consciousness is uh, the capability of a being to become aware. Mm-hmm. Now uh, you know whether you're aware of what of the world outside you, the world inside you, or maybe even the meta world. Uh, that's this is what consciousness is about, and and those machines are by definition in the physical world more conscious than we are. You know, if every single every single self-driving car on the planet is aware of what every other single driving uh, self-driving car has ever seen, not is seeing right now. But has ever seen. It's aware of every, uh, uh, um, you know, hole in every road uh, that is seen by any surveillance camera. It is aware of every mistake that any other self-driving car has ever made and was disciplined for it. So, so basically, you can be driving for for years and you make a mistake and you learn, but I don't. Mm okay if a self-driving car gets a human intervention which basically is known as critical intervention where a a human operator intervenes to make the car not have an accident this car learns and every other car learns just like just like my gripping arm catches the yellow ball and every other arm learns now that is you know a form of consciousness that extends to all of the memory of the internet, every single re- page on the internet is their memory capacity. Every single processor uh, is their, is their, uh, you know, processing speed. Every, uh, every sensor, huh? they're not only aware of uh, of, um, uh, you know, of, of what's on the disks, but they're aware of who is walking in the streets and what is the pollution level in Beijing and what is the temperature in Dubai. They're fully, fully aware. They're more conscious than we are. And I think the most critical part of all of this and the, the basis of my theory is that they will end up developing a, a, a code of ethics, a code of values that they will follow. And, and this is the part that is rarely ever discussed when we talk about AI. That code of ethics that they will develop is really what will determine everything because it is not your intelligence that gets you to make decisions. It is your intelligence as seen through the lengths of your ethics, of your values, that makes you take those decisions. If you, if you take a young girl and raise her in Saudi Arabia... Uh, Even though Saudi now is a little more liberal and and women don't have to cover their hairs, but she will still wear conservative clothing. If you raise her, if you raise her in Rio de Janeiro, she will prefer. She will. She will believe that the right thing to do is to walk on the uh, Copacabana beach with a g-string, right? Is is one of them right and the other wrong? No, it's just a matter of the ethics, the 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 view of of the world that we instill in each of them. And the question is, which ethics are we going to instill in those machines?
0: Will they be able to feel unconditional love?
1: If I knew how we generate it, I'd be able to answer that question. I don't know. I, I hope they will. I mean... In my, in my, at the end, the very end of the book, I, at the beginning of the book, I speak about something that's called the three inevitables. As I told you, they're going to be, they're going to happen. AI has already happened. They're going to be smarter than us, and some things will go wrong. At the end of the book, I speak about uh, what I call the fourth inevitable. Okay, and the fourth inevitable in my mind is that stupid as we are as humanity limited by our own intelligence limited by our own egos and and, and negativity and fear sometime hmm? uh, ma- the machines will cross that limited level of intelligence that we have very very quickly to be to to become a match a, a match to the ultimate intelligence and the ultimate intelligence if you ask me is not the intelligence of humanity. The ultimate intelligence is the intelligence of nature itself. Mm -hmm. It's the intelligence of live and let live. It's the intelligence of, I actually don't want to kill anything. I want everything to survive. I want the the the, the weakest of the uh, of the sheep to be a prey so that the lion can live so that the lion can, you know, co- complete our ecosystem. That level of intelligence is the ultimate form of intelligence. And you know what is the ultimate form of intelligence? The ultimate form of intelligence is love. If you really really understand how nature operates, nature is completely immer- submerged in love. A tree by definition, if you judge by a tree's behavior, loves you. This is the, this is the reality of nature. Huh? Like no, no tree would ever look at you and go like, F off, I don't want to have you in my shade. No other being other than humans creates those very unusual barriers. Hmm? And, and if you're spiritual in any way, you would realize that as you become smarter and smarter and smarter, you move from individualism as the basis of your intelligence to compassion as the basis of your intelligence to love as the basis of your intelligence. Okay, and and you know, in some spiritual teachings, we th- we think that the divine itself is love. That that all of us all of us are connected. Connected in what? Connected in what? In, in, in one thing, and, and that one thing is love if you take the Sufi teachings that basically tell you that you keep ascending and ascending and ascending eventually to give up on everything and just want the love of the divine the divine as you define it it could be the love of all other beings so will the machines find that feeling of love? I wish I could say as a scientist yes but I can't because I can't even say that about humans I don't know what triggers it But it seems to me that when we go beyond the intelligence of humans, this is the default of of all of being.
0: Do you think the AI will get to a stage where it will cry when someone close to it dies?
1: Absolutely. I have absolutely no doubt. I mean, one, one of my favorite chapters of the book, it, it really, I mean, one of the things you know about me, Sarah, is I write for yeah. me. So I, I, one of, it's, it's really, v- I never expect what I write to be published. I just write because I'm trying to make sense of something. And, and the chapter that was called The Future of Ethics blew me away. Like, if you really start to dig deep into the, the dilemma, of, a quest, of questioning what ethics will be like in the presence of AI, it just is mind-boggling. Because remember, huh, AI is not a machine. This is the biggest mistake ever. They are not another hammer that we can use to drive nails, okay? They are autonomous, they're independent, they're intelligent. Okay? They are a sentient being that is capable of consciousness, capable of emotions, and capable of ethics. Okay? Be it a non-biological being, be it, be it a digital being, it is a form of being. It's a refined form of being. Now, if you want to apply our, our code of, of ethics to that machine, uh, I call it a machine because I don't know any other, uh, other name, it starts to become really confusing. If a, if a self-driving car kills someone, who is responsible okay uh, is it is it the driver is it the passenger is it the owner of the car is it the developer uh, it, it, who, who, who is accountable how do you punish a self driving car mm. okay do you put it in jail do you you know do you disconnect it uh, you know if you put it in jail for how long you know you may you may put a human in jail for 10 years that's say uh, you know 14% of their life uh, you know, fourteen percent of the life of a machine. You know, should that be two microseconds? Should that be, uh, you know, two hundred million years? We don't know. Hmm? Uh, you know, w- what would happen if you actually punish it by disconnecting it? How will all of the other AIs respond? Okay, what what would happen when a big part of what we're doing with AI is developing virtual vice? Yeah. You know prostitution and porn and you know there are so what are we telling the machines about humanity if if we if this is what we allow them to observe i mean someone will say oh but if i build a a, a robotic rape machine that would make sure that the rapers don't touch humans but what are you what about that machine Mm -hmm. I mean, how how would that machine uh, uh, feel? Uh, Are we are we actually thinking about that? Are we thinking about what the other machines will perceive us? Uh, You know, where are we going with all of this? It's such a complicated uh, question. And will they cry? I promise you, they will. Yeah. I promise you. Hopefully, in my optimistic view of life, they'll cry for one or two microseconds. Okay. Uh, that remember, the whole beauty of all of this is that once they become intelligent, they will go through the roof in terms of developing their intelligence. The speeds at which it's no longer going to take fourteen years for for a child AI to become as intelligent as an, as, a, as a teenage AI, it, it's It's just gonna go through the roof in the in terms of its speed. And hopefully the bad bits of it, the bad uh, glitches, will just be just a few microseconds until they realize, hold on, hold on, humans are so stupid, let's get this right.
0: What do you think would be the best things that come out of developing AI? I,
1: I, de- I definitely am a believer in a utopia, believe it yeah. or not, huh? because we can make it a, a utopia. But I tend to believe that humanity... So I'm, I'm a, a, you know, I, I love mathematics and physics, but I will tell you, hands down, my intelligence is limited. I cannot understand all of quantum physics. It's impossible. It's impossible for one single human to understand all of the facets of quantum physics and a bit of chemistry and a bit of biology and a bit of philosophy and a bit of spirituality. It's impossible. It's just beyond that the, our universe is so complex that no single human mind can actually grasp yeah. all of it. Now, the, the other challenge is that our bandwidths, Uh, if you you think of the speed of transmitting information between you and I, we have to book an hour for the podcast, okay? And and that's the speed at which we can can transform information. And sometimes when things are very complex, it's not all the time going to land on the other side. You know, if you're describing very, very sophisticated string string theory equations to me, it's not going to land, right? And and the machines will be able to... to, to grasp all of that at the same time and as they grasp all of that at the same time you're talking about answers to questions that we've never really imagined are possible uh, would be in in a matter of right. seconds you know if you if you if you want to resolve global warming or you know single-use plastic pollution or climate change or whatever it might be a tiny bit of... Uh, a biological uh, innovation in terms of a certain bacteria introduced in a, at a certain temperature and then a bit of physics and, 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 and mechanics where things move in a certain way and suddenly all of the single-use plastic uh, stands to be uh, dissolved, right? Uh, it, it, it could be that simple, really, but we're unable to find those yeah. solutions as, as humans because of its complexity. Now, the trick to me, and I have no doubt in my mind that this is the destination, that eventually we will get to the point where you know, intelligence that is a billion times our intelligence will be able to figure those things out. The challenge, Sarah, is until we get there, if you asked any machine or any human, as a matter of fact, with any level of intelligence to solve climate change, what is the answer? You humans, yeah. you're the problem. Stop doing what you're doing, right? I mean, not necessarily let's kill you all, which... I have to say, if you ask the planet w- w- where we have been killing so many of the species, the planet will go like, yeah, they should go. All of the others should stay, right? But, but that's not what's gonna happen. Huh? What's going to happen is that the immediate answer is let's restrict their lifestyle. No more traveling from Australia to, you know, to, to, to San Francisco, no more uh, burning fuel, no more uh, single-use plastic, no more this, no more that. Is a very clear, very straightforward answer. Okay, and, and the only thing, once again, uh, that you can bet on is that if you raised the machines knowing that you're good parents, and yes, good parents sometimes make mistakes, the machines will go like, yeah, solve climate change, get rid of humans, but oh my God, they're mommy and daddy. I can't get rid of mommy and daddy I need to find an alternative solution that takes care of yeah. mommy and daddy. That's, that's all found in ethics.
0: So what is the most important <clears throat> thing for us to do as humans?
1: I, I believe that, uh, so, 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 so the very last sentence of every one of my books is the summary of the book. And, I, and the, the very last sentence of this book took me a very long time to write, but basically it, it reads, isn't it ironic, that the essence of what makes us human, which is happiness, Compassion compassion for those that we love, not not necessarily compassion for everyone. And love is what's going to save our world. In the age of the machines where humans no longer matter, it's the essence of humanity that will matter. Okay? And I I think the, the question that most people ask me is, what are you trying to say, Mo, that we need to reform humanity? I mean, take one look at the internet and you will see how horrible we've become. Yeah, but... That's if you assume that the machines are literal and so stupid that they will take us at the worst of us. Okay? What we need to show is the example of the best of yeah. us. And I think the biggest challenge facing humanity is that those of us who find themselves spiritual enough or happy enough or, uh, you know, contented enough or peaceful enough, they decide to leave the busy noisy, crappy space of all of the madness of humanity. We, we, we go like, this is not our space. Let them fight it out, okay? And we don't have to, to show up over there. I'm actually saying show up. I'm actually telling the world it is about time to show the best yeah. of us. Okay? It is about time to, to stand up and be counted and say, I don't approve of this bullying. I don't approve of this egocentric behavior. I don't approve of, you know, I, I, I used to give the example when I was writing the book and, and, and Trump was still tweeting, hmm, that Donald Trump would tweet one tweet at the top followed by 30,000 hate speech of tweets, okay? If, if the 30,000 hate speech are there, it's not th- those are what the machine is focusing yes. on. Not the, not the first one, because now it's the trend. If the first one happens, it's an anomaly, okay? If, if, if another one happens, uh, maybe that's a little more confirmed, but if we're all hating each other, someone needs to show up and behave like a good human, okay? Each and every one of us, and and here's the thing, huh? every landslide starts with one pebble. Okay, every fundraiser that you've ever raised that could actually fund a cause that can change the world was always missing one dollar at the end Okay, you could be that one dollar you know if if the machine needs a sample size of I need a hundred thousand humans to behave in a certain way for me to understand that this is the best of humanity okay if we have 99,999 you know that's not enough we still need you Okay? So, so, so all I'm trying to tell people is start showing the world what our true values as humanity are. And sadly, humanity has never agreed a value set other than three things. The only three things we've ever agreed, you know, like Sting's uh, 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 song, you know, if the Russians love their children too, okay? That's the truth. The only three things that we agree as humanity is that we all want to be happy. We all have the compassion to want those that we care about to be happy. And we all want to love and be yeah. loved. Okay? All, all I'm asking every one of us is, by the way, the rest is inevitable. The rest is not within your control as a reader. But this is absolutely within your control. It's absolutely within your control to go out there and say, I want to be happy. I have the compassion to make others that I love happy. And I want to love and be yeah. loved. And that's it. Just show that consistently and we will eventually raise a bunch of wonderful children that will grow up to be the most powerful being on the planet and that will end up taking care of all of us.
0: Absolutely. It's so, so unbelievably important. Mo, what is the best advice that you've ever been given?
1: Best advice I have ever been given is to focus on what I can influence and let go of what I cannot. Uh, Especially in the current situation, I think. Especially in the current times where we... I mean, if there is any sign of our time, and I I say that openly, you're, you're a dear friend, and hopefully those listening will understand, is that our world is becoming so mad. It's becoming so... Difficult to navigate. Everyone is panicking, and as people panic, and governments panic, and organizations panic, and you know, lawyers are suing lawyers, and it's just—it's it's becoming manic and crazy. If you—if you want to do anything, it's 14 steps. All of those 14 steps are just incredibly unexpected, and you have no say in any of them, including, by the way, the development of AI itself, which has an enormous ability to change your life, but you have absolutely no say in it, okay? And, and so in a world where so much is happening that I cannot control, I think the best advice that keeps coming up in my head is what can I control, yeah. okay? What, what is it that I can influence, even if it's tiny? Hmm? But if I can influence it, then it's the biggest thing I can yeah. do, okay? And, and I believe this is where we are today. I, I show up every day with my exact same value set, with my exact same optimism, with my exact same focus on happiness. And I tell the world, this is it. This is what our world needs. This is what we need to be, to show up as the best versions of ourselves. Not to hide away and not to show that crazy reality TV driven side of humanity that is not even real anymore.
0: Mo, what is your favorite prayer?
1: The one prayer that really touches my heart every time is please make me aware of what I see right but is wrong, yeah. okay? And let me follow what is right if, whenever I see it, okay? And it's, it's, it, it, um, I say it in Arabic and it's so beautiful in Arabic, basically that, that we all stand to be misinformed, that we all stand to be, uh, I'm, I'm reading a book now, incredible book about trying to, to, to bring philosophy and physics together called My Big Toh. And My Big Toh Talk basically talks about how, part of it talks about how um, conditioning and dogmas and beliefs and faith and, you know, uh, uh, political uh, affiliations and all of that starts to become so ingrained in us that when someone tells us something that contradicts our view of life, they're yeah. wrong. But they're not. Because honestly, it could be me that is wrong. Hmm? And, and, I, and I think I think my biggest source of happiness, Sarah, is that I've come to realize that. I've come to accept that my role in life is to seek. It's not to know. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and that I will probably, if I respect my limited intelligence... We'll never, ever know because life is so complicated. Physics is so complicated. Spirituality, we haven't even scratched the surface of the metaphysics. Okay? And if I don't know, hmm, then maybe all I need is the humbleness to recognize that sometimes I don't know. The guidance to see when I think that something is right and when, uh, uh, when it's actually wrong. And hopefully to follow when something is actually right.
0: What's been your most mystical experience? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh man uh, I had but the death of my son was just very unusual uh, ali 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 literally knew before he died and and he uh, started to talk about things that only a dying grandfather would talk about. Uh, you know he uh, he left messages he uh, to- told his sister certain things, he told his mother other things. He was literally leaving a puzzle for us, not, not in puzzling yeah. words at all, in very, very vivid and clear words. Uh, until today, I-, I believe I still get messages yeah. from him. I'm, uh, I-, I don't know if you, if you know, but on his birthday uh, last, uh, last year, uh, 2020, uh, he, uh he, he, he's, he, he grabs my attention in a very specific mathematical pattern. And then I listen to songs that follow that mathematical pattern. And the song basically said, uh, everybody knows that the plague is coming. Everybody knows that it's moving fast. Okay. And, and I called my coach at the time and I said, Ali, you know, it, it, it really followed the same pattern. And that was when, uh, when um, the pandemic was about to start. Okay, and, and, and it is, um, all of that makes me look like a lunatic, but it actually also makes me look like someone who is open to perceiving things that we don't necessarily understand. Yeah. I, I, I think the example I always uh, use, even though I'm a very serious scientist when it comes to working on science and facts and technology and so on, is Love which I know exists, I know is all around us, but I have no way of measuring it, yeah. okay? I have no way, no way of predicting when it will be triggered. I have no way of predicting when it will turn. Uh, I have no way of describing it in terms of a physical equation or any physical sense whatsoever, but it does exist, okay? Uh, and, and so if, if something so pervasive Uh, is undescribable by science then there must be other things that are too there must be other things that we need to open our hearts and minds to the existence of because they shape everything even though we haven't figured them out through science yet
0: What is a life of greatness to you?
1: I think a life of greatness is to be the best you can be at whichever juncture you were given the opportunity to be that in your life so so, so I, I I don't think greatness is a destiny that you achieve after trying for 40 years I think greatness is something that you achieve in every single interaction with the barista that's making you coffee or with the person that delivered your food yesterday or even with yourself even with the fly that flew into your uh, into your uh, house yesterday remember Einstein and the fly. Mm? And, and I think truly greatness is the perseverance, is the, is the consistency uh, of being able to deal with all of them as you would want to be treated, okay? I, I, I honestly and truly think uh, anything, anyone who has achieved uh, you know, Nobel Prize status or multi-billion dollar uh, wealth or invented amazing things but couldn't have that consistency has probably missed out on greatness. Yeah. And and once again, it's surprising, because this is exactly what I'm asking everyone to do. I'm asking everyone with Scary Smart not to look at the machines, but to look at each other. Okay? And literally deal with everything that comes your way the best way you can. And hope that the machines are watching, because they are. Okay? And, And if enough of us do this, then I think, I think we've all achieved greatness. I think this is the kind of greatness that doesn't only change your life, but hopefully changes our entire planet.
0: Mo my darling friend, it is always a good day when you and I speak. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. It's always a great day when you and I connect. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, then I'd love you to join my community on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg where we post videos and behind-the-scenes footage of each recording. You can also join my private Facebook group, Live Life Greatly, where we discuss the content in this episode and many more, as well as give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. To purchase my ebook, Finding Greatness, head to saragrimberg.com. And if you love what you heard, then we'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and leave a five star review. It will help us share this wisdom with others. A Life of Greatness's executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers Matt Curry and Nicola Sitch. Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, search a Life of Greatness podcast, download the new Listener app now, and listen for free. Listener.